On this episode, we'll be looking at one of the greatest horror films ever made, The Shining. We will follow Jack, Wendy, and Danny Torrance as they navigate the Overlook Hotel. This story is based on Stephen King's novel from 1977. It stars Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall, Scatman Crothers, and Danny Lloyd. This is another masterpiece from Stanley Kubrick. Join us for a snowbound supernatural adventure in this 1980 psychological horror film. Welcome to this week's episode of Adult Beverage Film Podcast. Listen to our hosts talk about your favorite movies. You never know what you're going to get. And discuss new films with our mystery guests from all over the world. Our guests speak freely about their experiences as directors. That's a wrap, everybody. Writers, producers, actors, or whatever contribution they have in the film industry. This is Adult Beverage Film Podcast. Welcome back to Adult Beverage Film Podcast, <laughs> as we all laugh at the intro. Uh, so, hey, we've got a special guest with us today, and I mean, it's an honor to have Tony Stash. He's just coming off set right there. So, welcome. Uh, thanks for coming and staying up late with us to uh, record this. Thank Sweet you. Stash. Thank you for allowing the stash to, to tag along. Yeah. It's impressive. It's it is. It's, it's, uh, it's an honor to be here. Well, we're glad to have you, and 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 we know you'll have a quite a bit of extra insight into some th- this film and all the good stuff that goes with it. And I even heard a little rumor that you might have uh, stayed at the hotel in the past. But did you buy the that's, sweatshirt? That's true. That's right. Because I bought the sweatshirt. Yes. <laughs> Hold it. Wait, Laura has the carpet going. She has yeah. the carpet rolled. Oh, the carpet. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, so, what the hell is that? For anybody that's not watching. <laughs> Doesn't look like the maze. <laughs> well, we also have, we got Patrick here. Welcome hey. back, Patrick. Hey. And Squeaker's hey. here. Hey. And Laura Trim. And Squeaker, Squeaker has a man bun. And of course, yes, he does. Hey. Squeaker yeah. has a man bun on yeah, the back of his head. Yeah, he's had some uh, different looks during the whole quarantine. It's been like uh, watching the Beatles uh, progress uh, throughout. So um, right now he's in his Yoko phase. That's right. Screaming. <laughs> well, let's just jump right in on this film and let's talk about it. So tell, I, tell him what it is. It is the well. At this point, we've already introduced it, so we don't have. Oh, we to did. Back and okay. Do that. So um, we can just skip right on past that part of it and and never say the name again. And we don't have to say the name. And yep. that way, no one calls it the sheening. <laughs> Do you want the to get shinning. sued, boy? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, my first question is: Is this your favorite Stanley Kubrick film? And we'll start with our lovely guest, Tony Stash. I have a pretty terrible confession here. I have seen The Shining. Excuse me, the movie that we met, we will not name again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll name we'll name it twenty five times. The Shining. I've seen it about yeah, ten times. Um, and I've seen two thousand one A Space Odyssey probably <gasps> three or four times. But just offhand right now, two beers in, I can't really think of anything else that I've seen that he's directed. And I'm sorry to say that. I'm sure you're all just in awe and angry with me. A little I bit guess. that you haven't seen Doctor Strange Love. Mm-hmm. Okay, but he I didn't direct that Dr. one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But he didn't direct that one. So. But that was in film school. He didn't direct that one? No, he didn't, didn't direct that. 
Yeah, oh, I thought he directed Doctor Strangelove. I'm sorry. Yeah, he I'm totally, that. totally uh, confusing it. With you're totally confusing directed with it. Doctor Strange. Yeah, it's probably one of from his... the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> yes, which he didn't <laughs> direct because unfortunately, if he directed, here, it, it dropped out, and I thought you said Doctor Sleep, and I was like, that's not. <laughs> um, anyway, so wow, what are you drinking tonight? Kent? Well, there's a, he's, there's a lot of movies he's directed, and I think those are two, you know, yeah. two of the better ones. So uh, let's move on, and we'll uh, kind of go through because everybody's got a different film that they like or whatever. So, Laura, what's your uh, thoughts? Oh, I like The Shining. I I think the best out of all the ones I've seen, and I too have seen very few. I, I slept through Dr. Strangelove, never finished it. I think I'll go back and try again. Um, it's on HBO Max. Clockwork Orange, really, really good. Kind of fighting mm-hmm. for the top spot there. Um, oh, yeah, and he's seen that too. I see. Now he's signaling <laughs> me. Yes, he did see that one, and he liked it. Um, so, yeah, but I'm going to say the the Shinnin is, is my favorite. Yeah, like it. Hmm. Patrick, how about you? It's funny. I was going to say I haven't seen that many uh, Kubrick films either, but I've seen most of the ones that we mentioned. Uh, I don't know. I'm always fond of 2001: A Space Odyssey because every time I see it, I think I've like I go, I don't remember that 45 minutes of the movie because it is 18 hours long. Yes. So I, it used to be the monkey movie to me, and then I found out there was more after the monkeys, and then I went it's the Howl movie. And then I found out there's more after Hal. And as far as I know, Kubrick's still making more to that movie. And it will be released mm-hmm. soon and just show up on my, my TV screen. But uh, The Shining's good. His movies are long. They wow, are was all of his movies. His movies are long. <laughs> Dr. Strangelove actually isn't that long. But it feels that way sometimes. It does. feels a little bit long. Uh, until you get to Slim Pickens. Right. Yeah. <laughs> God, he was awesome. So I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that. Uh, uh, the Shining, I, the more I see it, the more I go, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. But it's not. it doesn't stand out as my favorite Kubrick. What is your favorite Kubrick? I'm, I'm, I'm saying I don't know, to be honest. Yeah. I have to watch Clockwork have... Orange again. Yeah. I saw that when I was a child. So, uh, oh, scarred for it, life. Great time to see it. <laughs> yeah. I know. It I saw a lot everything. of fucked up shit. I saw a lot of <laughs> fucked up shit when I was a kid. <laughs> it explains everything. Uh, mm-hmm. Spreaker, how about you? Uh, mine's probably his 1951 short, Flying Padre. No, I'm just kidding. Holy shit. I've not seen that one. Yeah, oh, my, like, oh, my God. Thanks, IMDb, for that one. Um, no, I, I think probably Clockwork. I think that was the first movie of his I saw, so that's probably my favorite. Um, I do like Dr. Strangelove, but I, like like the others, have not seen all of his movies. They're pretty different movies, too. Every- it's not like he has this one... Uh, niche that he does it's funny i still blame him for ai even though he was dead (laughs) and spielberg directed it but i think kubrick i think kubrick had a strong influence on that movie uh well it was long well i think it was it was long (laughs) but i think it was his project before he died and then that uh I could be making this all up, but maybe Is that why it has all, like four four ending? It ends like four different times, and you're like, wait. It does. It's like Return of the King, and you go, oh, what a beautiful. Oh, that's not the ending? Okay. Oh, uh, and then you get to the actual ending, and you're like, Jesus what? Christ, wrap it up, B. 
<laughs> well, he w- he originally, and he just didn't think it was right for him, and, and he thought Spielberg was the, the better uh, fit, and that was the reason for that. So, Oh, I thought he had died. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, well, I think he, I'm not sure he was dead at that time. So I think probably he when he alive. saw it, he died. Yeah. He went, Oh, he what have, have I have done? Oh, yeah. So, but, uh, um, what's your favorite Kent? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I go between, uh, the, the shining, I think is a, an a excellent film. Uh, 2001 space odyssey is just, I mean, it, it's amazing to me. It's just got this really interesting, but then I like clockwork orange and I like a movie that, I didn't like the first time I watched it was Eyes Wide Shut. and that, that sex movie? Yeah. I walked out of that one. I forgot about that. And I did not like it. And then I've watched it since. And the more I watch it, the more I really appreciate that film and like the development and how it works and just that kind of uncomfortableness all the way through. Uh, I'm not a Barry Lyndon fan. Like, you know, I know there's some Oh, I forgot that, about that one. Jeez. Uh, Everyone yeah. does. Yes. <laughs> yes. That was not a box office hit. And it actually, it it was the film that came right before this. And this is kind of what pushed him that he needed to have a hit. And so he kind of jumped in with Kubrick and said, all right, you know, I've got to, after that bomb, I've got to come out with something. On top of it, you know, it was a very slow, boring film. Yeah, it and, might have been pretty, but oof. right, Barry Linda, That's a period piece, right? Right. And then he, I've planned, never seen that. Okay, he had actually planned to jump into um, Napoleon. He was going to jump into Napoleon, and then someone else came out with the film at the same time, and then that just got shot down, and and so then The Shining became a full, you know, full fledged uh, running at that point. So, um, but I, I think the thing about his films are each one of them is so different. You know, even if you go back in the earlier films, they're just each one's got a simple. They're very complicated in a lot of ways, but simple in other ways. They, and and part of that makes you think they're slow and very, but there's so much in there, and each one of them, I think that you know he he puts in a lot of different pieces. Um, I, Stanley Kubrick was a huge um, chess player, and I think The Shining is kind of like playing chess. You're boring and slow. Playing chess, <laughs> yes. Playing boring and slow. And, and you're even pl- if somebody wins, it feels like no one's won. Right. Right. <laughs> All the I chess mean, fans are going to hate on me now. <laughs> both of them. <laughs> yeah, both of them. <laughs> but but that's what I think The Shining is kind of feels like to me is a chess game, and you're playing this piece of ch- you know he's constantly moving a piece forward and moving it back. And like one of the things that really jumped out in me about The Shining, and each time I watch it, I kind of get a, I always pick up little details or little more pieces, but it was the way that he would introduce something, pull it back, and then introduce it, and then bring it back with more impact in the next next shot. So uh, examples would be like um, he would introduce, you know, the, he he brings in. Um, uh, little I don't know how to really say this without throwing it away too much but he, he brings in parts of a script and then he edits like back if you'll notice it, and then you'll come back to it later so it, it's one of those things that he does in this one that I don't see in any of his other films really where he's jumping back and forth into into the process so and when I say that, I mean like he'll jump from Jack to her. And maybe it's because there wasn't that many characters in this. 
that he did that to try to keep and it was also like you said slow to keep your attention so he would yeah. jump out from the edits but but I thought that worked because each time would come back with more sort of ump in, in, in the aspect so or also like also like trying to get you it's almost like a book where like they'll get you right to the point of something interesting happening in, happening in a book and then the next chapter starts and it's a completely different character that you're and you're like well shit now I have to keep reading to get back to where I was and then yeah. it's like teasing you and teasing you you know, until the book's over with. And then there's one in the, the, in the next one in the series of the book that you're reading, and you're like, shit, yeah. that's a cliffhanger, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, did any of you guys or, or ladies read uh, the Stephen King book? It's I a book. I have not read the book. Mm-hmm. No. I should. Yeah. I yeah. I haven't either, and it's one of those things. Um, Me neither. I don't so did anybody watch the other one? I did. Stephen Weber. Uh, I did. Yes. Is I actually there really a liked that. In that one? It's topiaries. Okay. At the end, it's not a, a maze of iciness, but there are these topiaries, uh, animal topiaries that it's fucking cool as shit. Okay. Uh, and apparently closer to the book. I, I had heard, I don't That's know if it's I true, that's, I heard Stephen King wasn't that happy with the, uh, the Kubrick version because it strayed mm-hmm. from his yeah. stuff so much. Yeah. And uh, and I heard Kubrick didn't really give a shit. Oh, well, uh, he's Kubrick. <laughs> right. Why would the maker of Barry Lyndon care about anything? Exactly. Right. I mean, the, the guy only had an IQ of uh, over 200, so, you know, he could. Yeah, according to him. No, that's according to others. So, I mean, he was a compulsive, like a compulsive reader, compulsive knowledge person, and he's just constantly. There's a lot of mis I think miscommunication about who Kubrick really was. Um, and you know, you hear from one side that he was like this jerk and all this. And then you hear from people that worked with him was like, no, he was and that he was like his way or the highway that was only his way. But that wasn't the case. Everybody that worked really close with him actually said, no, he collaborated, was very collaborative, like wanted to know from every single person working on set what their thoughts were on things. And he used that to build yeah. his, you know, build to get the best. So he was always looking to try to improve. And he was, you know, super, super smart. Um, and, and Very comprehensive. Just like he thought about everything, every little tiny detail. Mm-hmm. I listened to a, um, a podcast recently, and I can't remember which podcast it is, unfortunately. But it was, it was uh, interviewing a DP who... He's a DP now, but he was an electrician on The Shining. And he was saying that Stanley was like the kind of guy that would, he wanted, like you're saying, he wanted to know how everything worked, where he would, once he got to like trusting this guy as an electrician, or I think maybe he was a gaffer. He might have been the gaffer, but Stanley would call this guy up and be like, hey, I heard about this new kind of light. Like, what do you think about this light? I'm going to get like six of these lights and have them at my house by tomorrow at noon, come over and we'll play with them and figure them out. Like that kind of thing where he wasn't just like, I'm going to like write and direct. He's like, I'm going to figure out the lighting. We're going to, you know, he was just hands on with everything. Right. And and he built, um, he like custom built like lenses. Um, So, you know, just for like Barry Lyndon, you know, he wanted, you know, he got certain lenses to do, be able to shoot certain things, but he would do it constantly. Um, 
you know, when he couldn't find something he wanted, he would have it designed, you know, not that he was the actual builder on it a lot of times, but he was the one that was setting it all in place. Yeah, it was so, NASA, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the NASA lenses they used for like uh, Barry Lyndon. Yeah. E.75 or something so he could shoot, like, he could shoot candlelight to light the scene or something. Right, right, and he was right. able to. Mm -hmm, that's right. Yeah. Was that Barry Lyndon that he did and that? Barry, and Barry Lyndon. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And then that wasn't really done on a wide scale until uh, digital, right? Where they got it to that kind of craziness, where you know, a light or a match. Yeah, until recently, scene. right? Because yeah. film didn't record at that level, but digital's the, you know the sensors are getting so much better, and and so kind of. When you're you're subtracting light more than you're adding light. Uh, do you think Kubrick would have? Uh, yeah. Oh God. Unbelievable. Do you, do you think Kubrick would have liked digital? I'm not sure that he might have been one of the ones that sort of faulted. I don't think that he would have been a jump into it. Uh, I don't know though. It looks good now. He might be one to go. I want to play with this and yeah, see what I can do with this. With it, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but. Even though it looks good, there's still, you know, five fix directors who are like well known for being like, it's not good enough. You know, like Christopher Nolan, right. Thomas Anderson, um, who else? You yeah, know, there's others. a lot of guys that are still, uh, Quentin still. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. He shoots uh -huh. film. It's like, mm -hmm. there's people that are like, no matter how good digital looks, digital does look good. It looks great. They're like, no, it's not. It's film. You got to shoot right. film, which I respect. So, so this film, you know, basically took a year to make. What do you think the budget was on this film? What was it originally? This, or this what blew me. A, no, what the budget was to, to the full budget to make the film. What? A whole year of production. It. I'm going to lowball it and say $15 million. Okay. I'm going to say $250. <laughs> oh, shit. Mm -hmm. $2,700. No. Um, $1, Drew. $1. Yeah, one, three fifty. <laughs> I think it was three fifty. Everybody's got a guess in there? Well, it's a small cast, primarily one location, right? Uh, but for a year, so I guess that probably really jacks it up, doesn't it? Um, yeah. Nineteen million dollars because we could be. Hey, I wasn't that far off. Did you say nineteen? Nineteen million dollars. Mm -hmm. That's pretty. I was only four million off. Yeah. Come on here. I know that's pretty good. I mean, when I watch this film, is that expensive film, for nineteen eighty money though? For a whole year of filming, I don't think you guys were figuring. You were figuring a film uh, that maybe works for thirty days. This was an entire year, um, so I think the two fifty would have been the thoughts I would have been, and especially at yeah. that time, with you know Kubrick and attached and all that. But that's the thing about him; he loved working with small crews and small uh, teams to make things, which drove you know the crew to get you know, you know it had to be in, almost impossible because you're you know working with those small crews. But those small crews can accomplish a lot, you know. Now, how much how much of that time was spent actually shooting? You know, I don't know how much of that. I know it took a year of editing after because that's a real hotel, right? That's a real. Well, this is the place. best part about that. It is a real hotel, but most of it was filmed in a studio. Ah, they built the rooms and all that. that. Yeah, okay. they built, all right. built pretty much most of it was built in a in a studio. So that that's the part that's 
kind of surprising too because when I watch it, I feel like it's the you know it is the hotel. Um, well, you got. I, I think you got to feel that where the movie mm-hmm. fails epically. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. the hotel is the character. Yeah, mm-hmm. mm. absolutely. And uh, I think you, you know, Tony, you've actually stayed there. So did it look a little bit like the hotel, or did it? So, the whole story about the hotel is, it's actually, in reality, it's called the Stanley Hotel, and it's in Estes Park, Colorado. Mm-hmm. And it looks very similar, but it's the inspiration for the hotel that they created for the movie. So, the whole story behind it is, when Stephen King was, he was staying there with his wife and, like, his newborn baby or something, and he sleeping in room, now this is another thing, I've had two beers now, so I don't remember the, the real room i think it's 117 is the real room it's 217 217 room 217 this is the real room number he was sleeping in that room when he had a horrific nightmare about basically the plot of the shining and then he immediately woke up and started writing it and then so he was inspired by the real hotel to write the story of the shining and I went there, my girlfriend and I, Laura, shout out Laura if you listen to this. Woo. Um, yeah, Laura, you better be We listening. went to, we took a, um, <laughs> we took a, we, we took a weekend basically. So in October every year, minus COVID year, um, the Stanley Hotel has a shining ball party around Halloween. So we went for a weekend and pay, basically people just dress up. It's a giant Halloween costume party. And you get drunk in this haunted, one of the most haunted hotels in the United States. And it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Is and the guy in the furry pig suit, is he there? I'm sure that there was a guy dressed up like that, but uh, <laughs> I, did, I don't remember. Was that. he did giving out free, free, did he give free blowjobs? Yeah. He did, actually. Yeah. Nice. Only if you sit on the Could you, I wonder how much that pays. Well, well it pays less for a job, Patrick. <laughs> Times are tough, man. This pandemic's been harsh, man. I, I mean, if yeah. I have to wear a furry outfit and blow hotel guests in Colorado, I guess you know. Well, so did, be it. And, and it pays more if you have the the back end of your pants that are, are ripped exactly. out. Exactly. So the trap door uh, open. The trap door open. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Which is what was the case in the show. It was. Yeah. I don't know if I'm ready to do that. One of the coolest trips I've ever been on. And I suggest that anyone who, once the whole COVID thing is over with, if you are a fan of The Shining or just a fan of traveling in general and you like Halloween, absolutely go to the Stanley Hotel and stay a night there. It's creepy. It's weird. It's old as hell. It's fun. And I would go back anytime. Is there a maze? There's a tiny, tiny little maze there in front of the building and made out of plastic and metal they, you know they put it there because of the movie i'm sure i'm sure that. right right i didn't know if that was really like i was wanting to go i don't know if you guys ever saw rose red that stephen king uh mini series about the haunted house i did i, I wanted to go there that looked like a fun place i mean you get killed apparently but it looked well, like a fun yeah. place to be every, every oh, well. hotel has its price check out our friends the coffee clutch crew okay they're the digital water cooler podcast for your favorite movies and TV shows. Hey, look, this is hosted by our friends Jason and Christina. The podcast breaks down series such as Game of Thrones, Westworld, Mr. Robot, The Magicians. Currently, they're on the stand on the CBS All Access. 
They'll give you a mixture of character analysis, Easter eggs, and behind-the-scenes secrets and fun theories. The listeners are a huge part of their conversation with the Clatchers, comments, voicemails, and MVP polls is a key of every episode. They also have interviews with your favorite actors from the cast and authors and more. Come meet at the Water Cooler and join the Coffee Clatch crew. Check them out and download their latest episodes on any podcast app or head over to the coffeeclatchcrew.com. That's Clatch with a K. Learn more about these great friends and enjoy their podcast. So what are you guys all drinking? What's the uh, drink of choice tonight with a shiny? Well, it should be bourbon. It should be. rocks. Mm-hmm. It should be. But it is. What does he call it? What does he call it in that? What was the term? Uh, well, he called it hair, hair of the, the dog. dog. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> but nobody's drinking that. So what are you guys drinking? <laughs> I'm drinking shiny water. Shining water. Shiny water. Shiny well, so clean is, water. <laughs> so, so is Stash there? He's drinking shiny water too. Yeah. But a different kind. Stash is drinking a natural lime white claw. Shiny water. And it's delicious. Shiny water. <laughs> I'm over here with a little vacation IPA from uh, Highland Gaelic Ale. So, uh, nice. You can cool. drink a bunch Highland, of those. Hi- Not Highland Gaelic Ale, but Highland, Highland Blue uh, Brewing. <laughs> were they out of Bartles Highland and James? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were. Oh, shit. We should have been drinking that. That's like from that time period, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they thank what did you say you're drinking, Laura? What you oh, drinking, Laura? But I'm drinking the Catawba Brewery Lemon Ginger Zombie. Oh, that wow. sounds actually good. It Catawba is Brewery. really good. Really good. Squeaker, drinking your own urine well, again, aren't you? <laughs> you know me so well, Patrick. <laughs> um, I uh, Strangely, I've been drinking bourbon every podcast lately, except tonight. So <laughs> huh. good, good job, mate. But no, I'm drinking Tito's Lemonade. Nice. I didn't have any like soda or tonic, so I just went with lemonade. That would have been a good once upon a time in Mexico mm-hmm. drink. And, maybe. and Patrick, what are you drinking over there? Shining water. Shining water again. It's, it's shining. Uh, you know, I feel a little constipated today. I think. <laughs> so, so I've got one question. That's could it. You, it's gonna be a short could podcast. You, could you? <laughs> five months in isolation in the hotel. Could you do it? Any hotel or that one? Nope, just that one. Year, You're yeah. the only one. Could you put, do what what that the family does in that for five months? After this quarantine, yes, easily. It, does it? Yes. Does it pay? It pays. There's yep. food. Who cares? Have my cash. No, no. Tony Stash. Does the <gasps> hotel have the shine? Is it haunted? It, it. Everything that you see that happens in the movie, would you be able to do it? No. Wait, am I required to kill my family? Well, not, not necessarily. <laughs> is that <laughs> naked titty lady? Is that naked titty lady going to hug me? Yeah. Because <laughs> that's a deal breaker. That's a no. Yeah. She was so happy, though. Like, she was so jolly. The naked well, she's titty. an ugly old naked titty Tables. lady who's dead. Yeah. Of course she's happy. She got a little jack. She got, yeah. She got a little bit of, yeah. Mm. I feel the love. <laughs> so we're all going to be there? Because if so, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> so when if was I can't the first have my cat, got, I'm not going. When was the first time you guys saw this film? Like, your very first time? Probably for me, junior high school. 
and I don't remember. I, you know, it's funny. I've seen this movie probably about 10 or 12 times in my entire life, and there's still, I'll watch this movie, and there's still things that I'll go, oh, I don't remember that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. This must be the director's cut. I don't know why. I do that with Kubrick <laughs> movies, period. Yeah, it's like, just like, a, yeah. oh, I don't remember that. And, and they are always the director's cut. It is slow, and you, but, you know, we kind of were forced to watch it this time. So, you know, Kent yeah. was all like, watch this, motherfuckers. Uh, <laughs> I saw this when I was a kid. It was on TV. So I saw a lot of it when I was a kid. And then I went through the period of time where I keep telling you guys all the time that every time Scatman Crothers shows up, which is what, like 10 or 15 minutes into the movie, I would pass out and fall asleep and I'd wake up during the maze at the end and have no idea what happened for the two hours and 10 minutes between those two things. Uh, And it wasn't until maybe three or four years ago that I saw it beginning to end at the the Ayersley Cinema for their Halloween, their Halloweeny thing. It was it was nice to see it all you in like one sitting. Yeah, and on the big screen. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. I'm gonna fall asleep. Anytime Scatman talks. Well, what's your favorite movie? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Squeaker, where were when you see first it? time? Uh, I said, well, uh, my my first time seeing <laughs> The Shining was uh, about ten years ago, probably. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What so about your other first time 20s. that you're giggling about? Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about first that. I'm drinking vodka lemonade. That was right today. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> and Laura Wimmersers? You know, the first time I really, really saw it, I think, was at Ayersley during the uh, retro horror series. Yes. Because I saw it on the big screen and, and you know, I hadn't really watched it. I'd seen mm-hmm. it, but I hadn't really watched it. In the square format or was it in yeah. the widescreen format? Um, well, at Airsley, my screen, totally. But um, I had seen it before in the square TV format because that's what I saw everything in. It was, was it, it widescreen when we saw it at uh, mm-hmm. Airsley? Surely. If it was, then it's not. It's not the original cut. See, that's, that's yeah. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking it was it's square. A square. It's a square. It was. It was done. I think they shot it in a wider version, but they they kind of matted it out um, because he wanted to make sure. You know, that was what he wanted to have it in. Yeah. I feel that's what we saw. Yeah. Because I probably went, oh, what's this cheap ass print they got? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Hand and scan. Yeah, that's right. No. Was it the, uh, what was that creepy? (laughs) What was that creepy movie, The Lighthouse from this last year? Mm hmm. Yeah. Wasn't that in a square format? That was in a square format. It sure was. Yeah. Yeah. And once you get used to it, it doesn't. Eggers. It, t- it just takes a minute or two to get used to it. I've been watching uh, Stephen King's The Stand, uh, yeah, the CBS. original one from 1990, no, the run from 1994, oh. Rob Lowe and stuff. And the DVD I have tried to make it into widescreen, and they weren't doing that on TV at the time. So everybody looks weird, a little bit mm. widened, widened, thicker. Yeah, and I can't find a way to, yeah, I can't find a way to get it. Rob so that it looks normal. Enormous. Well, no, and Rob Lowe takes his shirt off, and I went, wow, he put on weight for this role. And I went, oh, no, wait a minute. No, he didn't. It's just the, His boobs are huge. <laughs> but sideways. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> so, yeah, I think we saw the square. When did you first see it, Kent, when it was made? I was actually, there? Uh, I was about eight years old, and I stayed 
up and got onto channels that I wasn't supposed to be watching to watch it. And I realized that that was not the smartest thing to then do because I didn't want to <laughs> tell my parents that I was like scared. But then the next day, it was playing during the day, and and I called it and watched it during the day. So I was about eight years old when I did it. But Wait I mean, minute, I hold could, up. When were you born? Yeah, uh, when I was uh, I'm way back, way back. So you're not as old as I am, are you? Um, uh, I'm pretty close. We're pretty close. Then you weren't eight years old. <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, yeah. it came out in 1980, right? Yeah. Well, it was late. But it wasn't so. on TV so you, in 1980. Mm -hmm. No, exactly. So No, so it would have been later than that. So I must have been later than that, I guess. But, it seemed but like you I probably still eight. were peeing your bed at the I time. I was still, <laughs> sleeping. still sleeping <laughs> at home. That's, that's it, Patrick. That's, 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 that's it more like You were still sleeping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, if that's the case, I'm still eight years old. <laughs> I would, I would, I was like definitely in the in the pre early days. Um, now, I think you know, I I really don't know the age that I was, but the first time I did watch it, I did those kind of principles. I went and started watching it, and I I was like, I don't want to be watching this by myself. And then I watched it during the day, and then I was like, Wow, this is really really good. And um, and then you know. Each time I watch it, I got something more out of it. And, and then, you know, after you watch it and then you start to hear all the everybody's interpretations of it, you get a completely different feel for this film. Like it's mm -hmm. there's so many different ways of uh, this has been going on in, in room 237, you know, uh, shows you completely different vi visions of what this is all about, too. Oh, yeah. So, you know, tell everyone what that is. Yeah, Laura, Laura, why don't you describe the, the, the movie we're talking about? Uh, Room 237 is a documentary about people's interpretations of The Shining. Uh, I think it's from 2015, and it's really fascinating. Um, they brought up like things the, that I didn't ever think about. Um, and Like and, something, give, it, give some examples, because I, I don't, so like, do they like talk about the titty the, lady? They, they no. Like, no. does she and represent something? No. Okay. The, I, I figured they would talk about the titty lady. They did not. I figured they would talk about the blowjob scene with the, the pig guy. They did yeah. not. Um, there uh, was a boo. lot of um, Native American imagery, references, symbolism. Okay. And absolutely, when I watched it again, that all came through much more than it ever did. And. Huh. That one I think stuck with me. The the um, interpretation about it being like the the white people came in and just committed genocide, and now this is the the literally the blood on the land coming back, and and you know they built they build the hotel on what supposedly is an Indian burial ground. They kill more Indians building it supposedly, <laughs> so the land is already full of blood. And then they decorate the hotel. The hotel is full of artifacts that have obviously been stolen or um, appropriated. And it's like embedded in the walls. It's literally carved into the walls. And I didn't catch that on the first few times. I mean, I've probably seen it four or five times and I never caught that at all. It, it's that stayed with me. I think more than anything else. Mm -hmm. I need to watch there was this also documentary. there was also one yeah. where they play the film backwards and forwards. Oh, so that was Stanley, fascinating. Stanley Kubrick had 
made a statement that the film was designed to be played forward and backwards. And so they actually play them at the same time. And it's really strange how it comes up. And there's some really interesting overlays that come into it that you see when they do that. Um, and, you know, whether that was the case that he designed it that way, that was one of the options. And then the other option was that they designed, you know, he, he put a lot of references into the uh, moon landing uh, mm-hmm. aspect of it that, you know, he was the guy that directed it. And it was like sort of putting hints towards, you know, where things were done in the rooms and there's the Apollo, you know, 11 sweater. sweater and things like that. Um, and then there was one of the ones in that also that had a uh, um, talk of the um, how the rooms were different. And so they're just there was real like six different. I think it was six different uh, views of of how to see the film and and different people's interpretations. So it, it, it definitely opened your eyes to some different things. And one of them was the Nazis about the Nazis, like yep, yep. the oh, typewriter yeah, that and too, yeah. all that's German. And so, and yeah. then the typewriter changes colors. And what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, things appear and disappear throughout the film. And what is that continuity errors or, you know, why were they Kubrick... designed on, for, on purpose or right? Not? It, mm-hmm. You know, like, why would he, that's so thorough about everything and so detailed, why would he make a mistake like that? And there's lots of those in there. There's like mm-hmm. the situation, um, I don't think they actually talked about it on that, but the ages of the kids, of the twins, you know, yeah. you know, they're eight or 10, yeah. Yeah, eight, or it says eight, eight and, and 10. 10. Yeah. Which is, they're not twins if that's the case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's a lot of little things like that that were throughout the film. Um, uh, the drinking, his drinking actually was another one that kind of stuck out with me, um, where he was on, uh, three months or he, he, he'd five been months. Five, five months dry. Right. But they talked mm-hmm. about like three years earlier in parts. So there was like all these little things like that that didn't match up. But, you know, I, I wonder if he did those on purpose or if it was in the fact that they'd filmed from a year and the, you know, they just slipped through and there were continuity errors. I, I, I'm not sure which way. I doubt that. I doubt that too. And, and the thing about the, the one lady in the documentary that makes a map of the layout of the hotel and she tells you about the impossible window in Ullman's office, the guy who's like the, the manager of the hotel. Like you watch it after you see that and you think, Oh, you know, that's just outside. There's just a window there. Blah, blah, blah. Now there's literally no way that there could be a window right there in that spot. And so he's like literally redirecting you throughout the whole thing. One of the things I think Stanley Kubrick said to Jack Nicholson while they were on set was, you don't try and photograph the reality. You try and photograph the photograph of the reality, which always stuck with me. uh, So that he's trying to give you this interpretation of his thoughts on what it is, not taking it so truly like by the book, I guess, technically he's giving you his thoughts on, on what he's feeling of it and his, you know, his uh, aspect of the screenplay. And I, and I think that's an interesting way, especially when you're taking a book and, and he was really good at taking a book and changing it to 
make the story kind of flow better because um, I think a lot of times his his books were better than the, the actual books or his his uh, filming is better than the, than the books. So do you agree with that or do you not agree with that? With which part? Uh, yeah. That, that he, that is, that you should be able to do that. Should you be able to take that and say, I'm going to, go off of the book and change it to your thoughts? Or? Oh, yeah. You have to be able to do that because you can't just be a prisoner to the book because there are some things you can't do from a book to a movie, and they just don't make sense. So you have to be able to have some artistic license. And to add to that, I agree. Uh, I read the – does anyone read Cormac McCarthy's The Road? Have you, hmm. have you read that? Hmm. I haven't read that, but I've heard it's great. Okay. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. It was so good that I literally in college sat down, opened the book up one morning, and read the entire book that day. I just read the whole book. Wow. It's fantastic. And then they made a movie, and I was extremely excited. I was like, this is amazing. I just read this book. I can't wait to watch the movie. And I watched the movie, and the movie was literally like page for page, the book. And I was so disappointed. Yeah, really? Yeah. You you weren't like, oh, satisfied by that? Not at all. I was oh. like, I've imagined this in my head. It's exactly what I imagined. It wasn't fun to watch. So Dang. that was when I changed my because everyone because everyone always says like, oh, the book is better. The book is better. You change the you change the story in the movie. It's like, but if it's exactly what the book is, you've it's already still heard not that fun. story. Yeah. It just it's a little bit more fun when you can see like an artist's interpretation of something you love. In my opinion. That would be perfect, but yeah, most of the times you get people to the book was better. Yeah. Why don't you want to talk about it? I'm not supposed to. Who said you ain't supposed to? Tony. Who's Tony? Tony's a little boy that loves my mouth. Is Tony the one that tells you things? Yes. How does he tell you things? It's like I go to sleep and he shows me things. But when I wake up, I can't remember everything. Does your mom and dad know about Tony? Yes. Do they know he tells you things? No, Tony told me never to tell him. Has Tony ever told you anything about this place? About the Overlook Hotel? I don't know. Now think real hard, Doc. Think. So what did you like about the film? Anybody jump in? Not all at once now. Yes. Okay, I'll go. Um, I mean, the cinematography was good, sure. And the yeah. acting, I guess, was pretty good. Shelley Duvall's creepy. She looks like a human ferret. She looked like Rat Boy. As a, a wife, if you've ever seen Rat Boy. Anyway, sorry, she- sorry, Shelly. Uh, but the biggest thing in this movie for me that I liked was the sound design. 
I thought it was fucking amazing when Danny has got that, not big wheel, because that would be a, a copyright infringement, but the thing that's basically a big wheel that he's riding around on the floor, and when it's on the carpet, it's soft, and then when it hits the hard floor, you mm-hmm. and it's quiet. Uh, I thought that was amazing. The boom, 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 boom. The music, I, the I don't want to call it a score, but the music was phenomenal. There were the... I don't know if it was a sample of Danny screaming at one part, but there's this high-pitched sound that was used a number of times that was just very, very effective. Like when you see Scatman's face, uh, that image I sent to you guys where he's just like freaking out. Yeah, he's freaking out, and you just hear that sound. I I thought that was the scariest stuff in the movie was the sounds and the naked titty lady Uh, and the guy giving blowjobs. He was a little scary. Yeah. Laura? So there you go. That's what I like most. Well, um, you know, I I like all those things. Those were those were all good things. Um I don't think I can I don't think I can single out any one thing. I liked it as as a whole, you know, it really just works. And I don't, I'm, I'm just drawn to it and I don't, don't really understand why I didn't really understand why until earlier today when I watched <laughs> the documentary, but now I, you know, I understand a little bit more, but that's the great thing about it is that you can always go back and understand a little bit more or be confused a little bit more. It offers so much. There's so many layers in this film. Like, and, and like you said, you can watch it in different ways. Uh, and each time you come back to it, you, you can pick up something new and unique I think overall, I think this is one of the top horror films of all time. And, you know, I think it's it's the kind of horror film that people make horror films now off of this, you know. So it influenced so many people because it it's not that it's the scariest movie because it, I don't think this is that film. But I think it just, it has a slow burn all the way through. So, um and, well, and it also it shows you that the worst monsters are humans, mm-hmm. and that you too are susceptible to becoming this thing. It's it's uh, thin ice we're all treading on. Right. That's one of the issues I had with the movies. I don't like Jack as a character straight from the get go. Uh, when they're in the car ride up, which I love the the uh, bird's eye of the car ride. It's very, very pretty. But in the car where it doesn't uh, – Danny asks him what is uh, – I can't remember what the question was. He goes, what's blah, blah, blah? Well, he says, I'm hungry. Yes. Uh-huh. You should have he eaten. he says, you should have eaten breakfast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's just a right. dick from, from – Oh, he, he's totally – it. He's totally a dick, but he. Mm-hmm. Danny also has something else. What's something? And he gives him this answer, and he's got this really glib look on his face. I'm like, he's a dick. Jack, the, when Jack they're Nicholson's talking about d- cannibalism, right? Yes, yes, and yes, the yes. The Donner yes. Party, right? What's the Donner Party? And uh, and Jack explains it to him like he's just a dick, and he's a is dick it- throughout the movie. He's a misogynist. He's, uh, you know, the the whole movie felt very misogynist. It felt like. Uh, uh, What's her name? Olive oil there was uh, just like 
Shelly Duvall, is that Shelly Duvall? Shelly Duvall. Yes. Was, Shelley Duvall was just there to serve him food and to take care of all of his wants and needs until he completely, completely, completely fucking loses it. And she goes, uh-oh, we might be in trouble. And then, well, you know, she then she has to become strong. Like, she is so weak oh. right up until that moment. But it annoys me. And it's probably more, it's a sign of the time. It's a sign of the relationship. Maybe it's in the book. I don't know. But it's hard for me to watch a woman that weak yeah. uh, and him such a dick. Actually, and also, in the, I would, in the, actually, in the book, she's very beautiful and much more strong-willed woman. So like it's a completely movie. opposite. Okay. Right. And yeah. and also wasn't that what that was the issue that Stephen King had with the movie as well? Was one mm-hmm. of the issues, I'm sure, um, was that yeah. he's like, there's no character like arc for Jack becoming this murderous jackass. He's just exactly the entire movie. exactly. Like, mm-hmm. he, in the, apparently in the book, he's a loving father and a good husband, and then slowly he you know descends into madness, and that's not what happens in the movie. He's just a yeah. He goes from movie. being a dick to being more of a dick. More to being a psycho, mm-hmm. right? Like a and, you're like, the, and, and the fact that he's not in the book too. You know. he, like he warned them in the book to get out, to get away. I don't know if anyone's read it, but that's mm-hmm. who Jack. Jack yeah. warns them to get out. Like the, yeah, in like a last moment of redemption, he like warns. Oh. And the son to to go away. Well, there's a lot of warnings throughout the movie too of just you know people warning them about this and you know kind of yeah giving you that that. This is what, you know, he has, even Jack has the dream, you know, while he's asleep that he's going to kill, cut him up and kill both of them. So, oh, you know, he, there's all those, terrifying li- scene. those, all those little warnings that are set in place. And that just starts to think that, okay, this is going to happen. But when is this going to happen? Right. Um, you know, and that's, that, that makes, makes the story, I think, just keep creeping all the time. It just keeps building and building. So, um, uh, Tony Stash, what, what I was just going to say. Yeah, what would you like? Something that I love about this movie is uh, we discussed it a little bit earlier, but like obviously, you know, like the one of the very first movies to use a Steadicam, Air Brown. And then beyond that, the way that they move the camera, like when he's chopping into the bathroom door. And instead of just being on a, like a wide or a medium shot where you can see him chopping, they literally the camera follows with the the uh, the axe, mm-hmm. and it's like you're chopping. It's like perfectly, it's perfect. Like it follows the axe, and it makes it way scarier. And that's just super cool. And then not to talk about the sequel, which we don't have to discuss, but they do it in that, and it's awesome in that too. Mm-hmm. So. They just did a lot of cool camera things that I love, you know. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think there's there's so many, and that's the thing, you know, that really kind of captivated my attention to this film early, was that it's it, there's a lot of cinematography, you know, moves, uh, but they're all made in the right way. They're not, you know, the situation when Jack's in the cooler and the camera's up underneath. And, you know, Jack's leaning over and it just gives him this presence of like this scary, like, beast of a man you know things like that along with the shots in the hallway following the the kid you know going through the hallway on his little you know uh like we said his uh i don't know what tricycle tricycle type scooter type thing he's got big wheel it's like a big wheel yeah so but you know those things along (laughs) with the 
the effect of the carpet. That carpet was made just for this too. So, um, you know, it was designed and all that uncomfortableness. And the thing that I think that really jumps out to me in this film is the colors in it. Um, it's the use of the colors at the right times, you know, the cars, even the color of the car, red and the car that gets crushed on the side of the road that we see that's, you know, up underneath the, the tanker, you know, is yellow. And so there's all these like warning signals are coming up. Hey, this is coming up. This is what's happening. Um, and then you, throughout the film, you know, the orange, even in the carpet sort of sets you off of a caution, you know, of what's happening. And then the colors are just, they're vibrant when they need to be. And they're toned down when they're not. There was even little things that I noticed was, um, uh, when Jack goes in to destroy the two-way radio, um, all the books on the counter that were in the cabinet were all laid down sideways. You know, little things like that to show you that things are off balance that you don't even think about until you watch it again. But you go, why do I feel this way? Well, that's why, because, you know, it was all stacked up perfectly straight. Now they're all laid down. Things are not right, you know. Mm -hmm. And, and Kubrick is a master at doing that. Things that you might not notice, but your subconscious would notice it. Right, the subliminal uh, aspect. And he go eerie. And he yeah, had, exactly, actually, exactly. Yeah, he had actually uh, had studied with um, ad agencies and and got to them and and was talking to them about how they were using it because during that time there was a lot of that that was going on. It still goes on. It's put into things where you look at something and it's got a phallic symbol in it or whatever it might be to make you, you know, feel certain ways. Um, but he really, in this film, there's lots of that in this film, you know, of like all throughout it, you watch things and you're just like, oh, okay. But you don't, you know, they're, they're small things and those little soft things add up. I, so. I did notice something that I'd never noticed before and it's in the scene. <clears throat> where Jack goes into the gold room and there's a, the, the party is going on and he gets the drink spilled on him. So like right before that happens, a woman crosses in front of him and bumps into Grady with all the drinks and on the back of her dress on her ass, there's a bloody handprint and I'd never noticed it before. And I backed it up and I was like, what is that? No, back it up again. Really? Like, that might be the dress. It might be a shadow. It might not be anything at all. But I saw a bloody handprint on her ass. That's interesting. I've never seen that. But I wouldn't doubt that things like that are not in this. Um, you know, maybe it was, he might have had it on her underwear. So it kind of showed through the dress, too, or things like that. So, And it might have been a decoration on the dress, you know. But it just was hanging at the right angle. And it was just like, like boom, there you go. Really, he had a super high IQ to to have this, you know, ability to do certain things like this, and he was a, a complete, um, you know, brilliant mind. So there's no telling what was going on. I saw it by myself. I'm so proud of myself. Okay, so there really is a bloody handprint on the back of her ass. Okay, it's great. So now we know that we can go back and watch it again. Wendy, <coughs> let me explain something to you. Whenever you come in here and interrupt me, you're breaking my concentration. You're distracting me. And it will then take me time to get back to where I was. Understand? 
Did anyone else love the last 20 minutes of just every few seconds flashing to Shelley Duvall reaction shots where she was just like, <laughs> like there were, there were some pretty terrible reaction shots, but they were fun. <laughs> right. She was scared. Yeah. Kinda. The, uh, when she r- goes into the room with all the skeletons and all the cobwebs and she's like, yeah. her jiggly face and her lips are just a trembling and <laughs> You know, she was probably like, how many different ways can I make a, a scared face? And she's like, oh, yes. well, I'll do this one. I'll see if he likes this one. I'm out of, I'm out of scared faces. This is all I have left. I had, I had like five in my uh, toolbox, and I've used them all, and Stanley still wants me to be scared. So. This is take 142. Like, she was like barely <laughs> hanging on to the knife, too. It was like so loose in her hand. Oh, it was mm-hmm. like she was waving it around like a baton. <laughs> mm-hmm. She she was uh she was not my favorite character in this film like at all, um, but it's at, cool at, to see her get strong. At points, yes. At points, I was like, "Oh my Briefly. god, she's so bad as an actress," but she's also good at that part of it too. Um, she's not my favorite actress. Period. I mean, I just don't go back and say, "Oh wow, she did this and that was so." She hasn't been in a ton of things, but I yeah. I do also love that she just jumps right in the snow thing and just knows how to drive it. Like, I know. The snow cat. just drives up that steep mm. hill. Well, actually, well, they, they made mention of it early. They had made mention of it earlier, and uh, I think Barry Nelson or whoever goes, do you, do you guys drive? And they both yeah. went, yeah. And he goes, it's just like driving a car. Right. right. So, but then you see Scatman Crothers driving the snow cat up to get them. It is not mm-hmm. at all like driving a car. No. It's two sh- shifty sticks. <laughs> right. And that's not driving a car at all. No, no, no. no. Maybe that's like just Laura's Scatman Snowcat. So, um, drives yeah. like that. Uh, I was <laughs> a little offended by the ghost. Industrial-sized lawnmower. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I was that's offended exactly by right. the ghost who, who uh, calls Scatman the N-word. Oh, yeah. 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 I was like, oh, Ugh. seriously, seriously, dead man, you got some nerve. Now here's a question. I you got to realize have. that was the twi- that that was from the twenties. So that's the thing is, that, you know, when Jack walks and he gets the bump, he goes from basically the seventies to the twenties. So I right. think but, that was a situation of throwing it back to the twenties, also to add a little, like, Ugh, you don't like this guy, you know, in there too. But the guy at the beginning, Oldman, says that that happened in 1970. He says that Grady killed his family in 1970. That didn't happen in the 20s. Uh, It's really confusing what decade we're in. This might surprise you, Laura, but old white men, even in the 70s, were racist. Oh, I'm not. And still today, obviously. (laughs) To to this very day. To this very day. Now, here's a question I have. If, If... all right, Jack keeps drinking, but it's ghost drinks, so he's not really drinking. What is he drinking? What is he doing? What is this guy doing? He's really walking around an empty hotel, experiencing all these things. Mm-hmm. So is he getting fake ghost drunk? 
I, there, there's lots of questions like that throughout this film. I mean, you know, you have to sort of say we're taking this as it is and that there's drinks in there somehow. They've shown back up. Um, yeah. Who let yeah. him out of the freezer? Yeah, I don't know either. Yeah, who let yeah. him, out, who of let him out of the freezer? There's little things like that, you know, that were like, well, who I thought Grady did. Well, once again, a ghost. Well, yeah, and, so. and who really <laughs> choked Danny? Right. If it wasn't either one of them. It was the woman. Huh. He says it's the woman. So who really did? You know, yeah, that's the really whole did. thing. Is you know, I think it touches on, you know, the supernatural aspect of it, as well as the psychological aspect of it. You know, I think what Kubrick does really well that I don't any of us have talked about is sleep deprivation. You know, Jack is going through this whole thing where he can't sleep. Remember, there's a scene where he's sitting on the bed. I can't, he's not sleeping, mm -hmm. you know. And, and of course, you know, his son sitting there and they're having a conversation. But he's, like, not there. He's somewhere else. And, you know, sleep deprivation doesn't take 72 hours of no sleep. You become, you start hallucinating. It's I mean, it's part of it. So those are things that happen, you know, once you're starting to not have those sleep patterns that you need, you start going into this whole nother world of like, I'm not really sure what's going on. You know, is this real? Is this not real? You know, obviously something was going wrong because he kept writing the same words on the, typing the same words on the page, right? Mm -hmm. But, but here's, here's thoughts. Those are just thoughts. And they, and I, and I don't know how you, get past that other than you have to take it for what it is and yeah. then say these are things that are happening mm -hmm. you know that that's questions i mean what, what, what's y'all's thoughts to me well it's funny because in hereditary i believed everything <laughs> Same. Yeah. and it's and it's much more silly like you know there's people floating and flossing their necks open oh. and bizarre shit and that I'm like, that. Oh, it's all because of this, this payment cult. That's fine. I'm okay. With that, But God forbid, Jack Nicholson drinks ghost alcohol. Then I'm all fucked up. And I'm like, I, then don't, I have I don't so know many questions. Mm -hmm. what, what, what do you think there, Tony? I was just going to say, um, <laughs> it's just one of those movies, which is just like a lot. It's like any David Lynch movie. There's really not going to be any concrete like answer to any, anything. You, it's it's open to interpretation and you just have to draw your own conclusions and that's just the way it's going to be like and that frustrates certain people will, that will frustrate certain people like i need to be full, like spoon fed exactly what's happening mm -hmm. and then there's mm. other people that are like i would like to be able to just kind of think about it and you know maybe draw my own conclusion i feel like this the shining is just that's the kind of movie that it is like you're not there's no real answer you're no. going to watch it and you you're a participant it in it the way you want to interpret it and exactly but i think so it'd be fun it means to you i think it'd be fun if kubrick had done an interview and completely told somebody oh this is what i was thinking but why should this. he why should he that's yeah. the whole thing is uh I, I don't think as a filmmaker that you should have to explain what you're here it is on the page. Sometimes, if you don't understand it, and you can't. You Absolutely. can't. You're not. You can't understand the the spoon feeding that well, I'm giving you. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you. An, you understand it. I'm going to give you an example. I was a big fan of the Prisoner TV series. Patrick McGowan. Um, they have recently put out a documentary. Uh, 
where a British reporter or British uh, uh, documentary maker sat down with Patrick McGowan, but it was back from the eighties. He had sat down with Patrick McGowan and his family just released it now, or the rights just became available so that he could use the footage. And they discussed the prisoner, which has a huge cult following of people going like, what does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? And I, it was really fun to hear Patrick McGowan address those things. And sometimes something that we all made a big deal out of, he's like, oh, just like, Big bicycles. I thought, you know, it represented, you know, uh, life in, in, you know, the, the 1800s and 90s. You know, it'd be, it, it's interesting. And it would be fun if somebody goes, I have this interview with Kubrick where he's like, no, we fucked up. That's why things changed in The Shining. That's why stuff does disappear. Somebody <laughs> broke that white we typewriter and we had to get a gray one. Well, I heard there's talk about sleep deprivation. I didn't sleep for a fucking year while making this. <laughs> I don't fucking know what's going on. It's a, I thought I was making a, a faithful adaptation of the book. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- this film rates at 8.4 on IMBD. So, you know, that's impressive for a horror film. Like to be a it's, very impressive. You know? it's very impressive. But I think it's because of, you know, it, it touches on a lot of different things. And it's... It's you know it wasn't a huge success and I mean I think in the in the theaters it made like about forty four million, so it did make money but it wasn't a huge success like that. Mm-hmm. But you look at what it's become now, and it's become this you know cult following from it. You know? A little slow tonight, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is, Mister Torrance. What let be? I'm awfully glad you asked me that, Lloyd, because I just happen to have two 20s and two 10s right here in my wallet. I was afraid they were going to be there till next April. So here's what. You slip me a bottle of bourbon, a little glass, and some ice. You can do that, can't you, Lloyd? You're not too busy, are you? <laughs> no, sir. I'm not busy at all. Good man. You set him up and I'll knock him back, Lloyd. One by one. White man's burden, Lloyd, my man. White man's burden. What do you not like about, I know we kind of touched on some of it, but what do you not like about this film? Racist ghosts. Yeah, all, all the snot from Shelley Duvall. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, man. What she thinks she's that girl from Blair Witch? The hell is that? <laughs> That's where Blair Witch took it from. I bet. Um, it's funny. Before we go into, <clears throat> before we go into what we don't like, which apparently most people liked it overall. Uh, I thought that Danny kid was good, and Kubrick got a, a yeah. really amazing performance out of him. Well, what he that did, could be a fucking nightmare. What he did <clears throat> is he fed him. He fed him uh, sugar. One of the things I watched was like on how he got the performance he did out of him. Uh-huh. And that was basically, you know, sitting there going, look over your shoulder, look to the left, look back over here, look over here, you know. And those were the performances, you know, that he really pulled off. I mean, besides the red rum, red rum. So you tell me you it's know? all superficial. What but I thought like, was great is just no, that's, superficial. That's a look great director look getting that out of him. He, for him to get that out of him, you know. That's something great. And even if you notice the scene that's in there where the big party scene is going on, um, how everybody was acting in the backgrounds, those were great. 
um, you know, just watching, they were very like realistic. It and looks like a real party. It looks like a real party, and that was impressive, you know, to pull that off with that many people. But you know, that's where Kubrick. I mean, Kubrick. However, people want to say. I mean, I know a lot of people downplaying what he was, but he was a genius, and honestly, could be maybe the best director of all time. For considering the fact that he did films at all different levels, science fiction all the way to horror to historical dramas to you know he he's done it all like i mean and pushed the level um and but, for decades and decades yes. like he was so prolific right and not only was he he was also financially successful with the exception i think Barry Lyndon but all of his other films pretty much were i think were financially successful and that's a that's a feat to do because yeah. You know, and, and and Clockwork Orange was one that they didn't even want to put out. So I'm sure <laughs> they they literally didn't want to put that film out, and he had to. He's like, there's a whole story on that, and we'll talk about that if we ever do that film. And I don't want to get into it, but you should look up the story on Clockwork Orange and what happened, because that film would probably never have made it had Kubrick not really went out on the on the limb and said. You've got to do this. You've got to play this, and and he basically got people there to the theater and made it a sellout, and then that created this controversy, and the controversy then just spread with that film. But you know, he he was smart on so many levels, and you know, there's just I I can't say enough good things about him because I, you know I think he's influenced a lot of different people across the board. But getting back to the bad of this film, you know. The only things that I can think is I thought there would have been there's some continuity issues that but maybe they were done on purpose, you know, and that's you know hard to say whether that was the case. But you know, from a visual standpoint of watching this film, from a visual standpoint of just understanding and the score of the music that just pulls you in and you're starting right and now <laughs> you hear those yeah, and you know exactly what it is you don't yep. there's no question so you, you've got to give him credit for being able to do that and he's one of the few guys that took a lot of uh sort of orchestra orchestral i guess that's how you say the word uh music <laughs> uh or orchestral thank you the there it is there it is. And that's what we're trying to get for. Uh, coming from the guy that's not drinking on adult beverage on podcast. Water is an adult beverage. Yeah. Yes. Yes, that's right. And it's shining water. So, uh, but that, that's what he puts all those pieces together and makes it jump. So, you know, any other thoughts that you can say that are bad about this film? It, just that I wish that Jack had a place to, to start from a, a better place as a father, so we're not like douche. Yeah, I wish I loved him more thing. so that I was more upset yeah. when he turned into a monster. Because I really yeah. wasn't surprised. He's a dick. You're like, he's an alcoholic. Oh, now he's a grumpy non-alcoholic. He's an he's alcoholic a grumpy... child abuser. Right. Y- yeah. <laughs> and How it even gets weird like when, he's, when he's talking to the ghost about the incident he had with Danny. And it's just yeah. like, and he even kind of lies a little bit. And yeah. It's an and he's making excuses. Man. And it was just like, oh, you alcohol. And then there's another incident <laughs> that is only mentioned once. And it's like implied that that's when he starts talking to Tony is this 
this mysterious incident that they never speak about. It's not where he yanks him up and breaks his collarbone, because they talk about that, but then there's this other mysterious thing that's like sometimes implied as um, child molestation or incest or something. And it's, it's not stated. It's just sort of a feeling that you get that it's like dirty. And you don't know why. No one said that. But maybe mm-hmm. it's more subliminal something. I didn't get that part of it, that Did that was not? the case with, with Jack now, with the, you know, the the guy in the room with the the dog guy that was hanging out. That was blow a job. different, yeah, the blowjob yeah. situation. That was a big different dog, story. But, trap door guy. Mm-hmm, yeah, trap door guy. That's, what, that's a <laughs> big dog. Blowjob. Trap door. Uh, maybe, I wonder if that's what his IMBD credit says, trap door guy. Yeah, trap, um, trap door pig dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, BJ Betty. But I didn't get that feeling. But I could see where you're coming from on that side of it. There is some sort of like deeper things that went on, and yeah, like the looks are too lingering. He the the sitting on his lap, like that scene where they're talking about how right. he's tired and do you like it here and what? Why are you asking me these things? Are you grooming me for something what is going on here what is this Ooh, that's very creepy sounding mm-hmm. yeah sorry now what's the deal with I tony that more as like <laughs> sorry. tony i was answer, gonna say i answer. take that more as like him trying to <laughs> him trying just trying to seem normal like try to be the good dad yeah. like even though yeah, it's impossible I mean? for him to seem normal at this point Right. Like, I don't think he really gives a shit if, at that point, if, if, um, if he's happy there. I think he's just, like, trying to be a normal dad. Or appear that way. Not that he's appear actually that trying way. to be normal dad, but he's trying to appear as a normal dad. Or trying right. to, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, let's talk about Tony, yeah. because, you know, Tony was Powerful. something, too, you know? He had, you know... Two personalities there. You know, yeah, and I don't remember if in Doctor Sleep they addressed who Tony was either, and I just missed it. That's another long movie, wasn't it? It was, but it was good, especially the Dragon. <laughs> it was. I did think Doctor Sleep was a good movie, and it was I love uh, that. I love fucking that. homages to the original Shining were fucking brilliant. Henry Thomas is Jack Nicholson. Holy shit! Yes. Not as Jack Nicholson, but as yes. Jack Torrance. But ah, uh, ah. Yes. Uh, is very good, but I, yeah, I want to. I want to know more about Tony. Yeah, yeah. and Scatman. Come from. Well, you know, the one thing about Scatman, I guess um, there was a lot of issues with him not knowing, not knowing. Well, from what I understand, when I was reading a little bit about that, he there was a lot of changes in the in the script. So even Jack got to a point where, and and, and if you watch some of the behind the scenes kind of footage of of the shooting of the shine you're seeing Stanley Kubrick constantly on the typewriter typing, you know, he's typing stuff up. So he was constantly making changes to the script, you know, as they were going along. So the script was always changing. So it got to a point where Jack Nicholson would just learn it once the, they gave it to him and it was like, we're going to be shooting in the next little bit. But that really threw some of the other actors that are like more, you know, deeper, I guess. And Scatman had a, terrible time uh with it and matter of fact there's there's even a joke that i've heard that that was the guinness book of world records for most takes on a the scene around the table with uh with with the boy 
was one of the longest take or not takes, but multiple takes of a, a shot of anything um, ever. So, um, and there was just all these kinds of, you know, thoughts about it as well as, you know, Kubrick was known for taking a lot of takes. So he would take, that was not something unusual. He, you know, would take a hundred takes on something uh, to get the, the take that he was looking for. Cause he was a perfectionist, you know? And so, yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine on that working on something like that? Works in the business. Yeah. God. Do not yeah. do that. Please yeah. don't do that to me. Unless you're, as an actor, with, using film. unless you're working so with David like, Fincher too, you know he was that way. As an actor, I'll give you two takes. That's it. You got to wrap it up in two. You got the best of me already. You, know, you got it. You got. We, I gave it. And usually, I and don't. The first take was it, takes. but I'll give you a safety. Yeah. I mean, right? I, I will say, you know, you coming from <laughs> coming from the director's side of it, I will say most cases you're going to get it in the early takes. But if you don't, then a lot of times it's the last take. You know, because you're going to get you. Because once, once like, you've got it, you're going to stop. Exhausted right. people. <laughs> right. That's when they really, the emo, the true emotion comes out because you've exhausted their acting and now they're just pissed off and they're ready to just get it over with. Right. Yep. And then they're I've had some directors, that. I've had some directors make me do so many takes that by the last take, I didn't fucking know what I was saying anymore. I didn't know where I was or what I was doing. And it did not serve the character well. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the key. Does it serve the character well, you know? And, yeah, and that, that did not in, yeah. in many of those cases. But I thought Scatman was amazing. I loved him in this movie, and I really yeah. wanted to see more. I felt like his character, and I don't know the book, but it, like I felt bad because it would be like, let's go to his little shack or his apartment and show he's concerned and calling the deputy or whatever and stuff. And it's just like, well, what's your you favorite know. food then? Yeah. <laughs> my, yeah. Alright, it's an inside joke with my friends from college about this movie. We just yeah. have to quote that. Alright, yeah. Tony, the scary thing is that your picture froze before you said that and I just heard that voice. Yeah. And I I'm not gonna lie, I, I tinkled a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. There, there yeah. might be mm-hmm. so there sorry. could be there might be turtle tracks in my underwear now. Yeah. But uh that's okay. There's a puddle in my chair a little bit. There's a puddle uh, in my chair. <laughs> Grady? Sir? Delbert Grady. That's right, sir. Uh, Mr. Grady, <clears throat> haven't I seen you somewhere before? Why, no, sir. I don't believe so. Uh-huh. It's coming off now, sir. Grady, weren't you once the caretaker here? Why, no, sir. I don't believe so. You a married man, are you, Mr. Grady? Yes, sir. Hmm? I have a wife and uh, two daughters, sir. Hmm? And uh, where are they now? Oh, they're somewhere around. I'm not quite sure at the moment, sir. Mr. Grady, you were the caretaker here. I recognize you. I saw your picture in the newspapers. You, uh, chopped your wife and daughter up into little bits. And uh, then you blew your brains out. 
strange, sir. I don't have any recollection of that at all. Mr. Grady, you were the caretaker here. I'm sorry to differ with you, sir. But you are the caretaker. You've always been the caretaker. I should know, sir. I've always been here. So, what else you guys want to talk about about this film? I mean, we've covered a lot, but is there anything that we've left off that you really think we should talk about here? <laughs> the sequel is good. Fuck the, the sequel is good. I have not seen that. Okay, so really, Tony? It. There's haters. There's haters of Doctor Sleep. Oh, absolutely. There are haters. They go fuck themselves because it was a good movie. It was uh, great homages to The Shining, and uh, it made it a bigger a bigger thing. And it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Was it also it a book by Stephen King, or was this just created yeah. a movie? Yes, it was. Okay. A book. It's a book by King. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I, I'm surprised that this didn't come up, and maybe it was my uh, deficiency as a kind of a host over here. But we didn't even talk about the red rum. Scene <laughs> red because, rum. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the the scene that sort of people quote and talk about. Mm, you know? There's one other. Uh, <laughs> what what other one? The here's Johnny. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So let's dig into the that whole sequence of the final of this part of it. What was your thoughts on it? You know, we talked about kind of the camera angles and and movements that were going on because I think that definitely enhanced it. Were, did you believe that it was actually happening? Were you sucked in at that point, Tony? I think it's absolutely terrifying because Jack and the, Jack Nicholson is terrifying in that scene. But mm-hmm. this is the moment where, you know, we've talked about like continuity errors and stuff and like whether they were intentional or not. This is the one moment in the movie where I'll say hey, it was absolutely unintentional. They, the, the amount of like holes in the door changes from shot to shot. And that is because they only had several, you know, they only had so many doors. And that was something they couldn't help. But being, you know, someone who works in the business, that's the kind of stuff that I notice. And then that annoys me where I'm like, eh, there was two holes on the last shot. And now there's three or this hole's bigger than it was then. All the other stuff that may be a continuity error is probably intentional because Stanley Kubrick is like an auteur. But in this scene, they should, they should have done better. There's a reason behind that. The reason they had only so many doors, and then Jack Nicholson, which they didn't know, had trained as a firefighter, <laughs> and he—they said his—he literally was cutting through that door like it was like paper, like he actually knew what was happening, like he could hit it and it just knew how to cut, you know, which is why it looks so real. But I agree, there was like you know, uh, uh, two shots that I remember cutting back, and I was like, I feel like I'm kind of like watching the psycho scene of the shower scene you know because there's 
you're seeing things that just don't quite 100 percent add up and and i agree with you on that side of it because but that was the reason and they just didn't and they actually had to go to a thicker door because he was going through them so fast like and that was one of the problems so well um, notoriously <laughs> bathroom doors are pretty shitty right so um yeah, yeah, they are. Them pretty fast. Yeah. yeah. And you could even notice in one of the shots, Shelly closes the bathroom door and it just looks like it's a thin, like, light door, you know, when she's shutting the door. And you're like, well, he would just go right through that. Like, yeah. in one take, it would be, the hammer would be on the other side, you know, so. Um, and then you see the door seems to be a little bit thicker as it goes through, so. Um, but that was the kind of the reason behind that, so. Fucking Kubrick, man. Yeah. I swear. Fucking Nicholson and his act skills. And did you notice when, <laughs> when, when they when they put, uh, you know, they they drop uh, Danny out the door or out the window, out the window, and and mm-hmm. he slides down. That was actually a set. That whole scene where it was coming out was a set, and that was wow. salt that he slid on. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. they had all that salt that was put oh, up against the building, a ton of it that he slid off of. So and that snow is all salt? Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Iodized yeah. salt? Uh, is so. it kosher? Uh, probably you could cook <laughs> it with it. It gets in my paper cuts and it burns. Oh, it does. Followed by Shelley Duvall <laughs> getting stuck in the window like, right. three times. Oh, yes. That was the thing that Flailing. bothered me. Like I thought Shelley Duvall is so tiny. She's absolutely as tiny as Danny, if not tinier. And if she you can get the head through that, if you get your head through it, you can yep. get your body through it. I, and I her agree. head was enormous compared to <laughs> oh my god. You know, she's yeah. really not olive oil in real life. You that don't was just know the that. Part. You don't know that. I don't. I actually, really, I don't know that she could. I don't be have any oil. proof from you. That didn't bother me that she couldn't get out the window. So when that the was, you know. I wasn't really bothered by anything. I was. I was amazed that Danny did the backwards footsteps thing. That was because awesome. I'm like. Where he was backtracking to make it look like he, he it just stopped. When I was and his age, I was like, labyrinth. yeah. When I was a kid his age, I was like playing with my own poop. I mean, I didn't <laughs> think of stuff like that. You know, I was wait, like, wait, he's wait. He's like eight. You, you just, were playing with yeah, the same age. Kent saw The Shining for the yeah. first time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Kent saw it, it before it was made. And, and Patrick's still and playing with the poop, old. so it's not changed. Still playing with my shit. Well, I, I need something to be the shark when I'm playing with my G.I. Joes in the bathtub. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I stole that from Eddie Murphy. That's an Eddie Murphy joke. Uh, but no, I, I would not have thought about that as a kid. I would have been standing out there going, ah, ah. Yeah. Yeah. Scary guy from Easy Riders trying to kill me. But he, had, he also had people helping him. You know. Yeah, Tony was helping him. Tony was Yeah, but we don't know who Tony was. We still don't know For who all Tony we know, is. Tony could Tony be, could have been a PA. Right. Which maybe he was. He was the best PA. Yeah. He was the best. Mm-hmm. Tops. Tops <laughs> in the come business. Up in Doctor Sleep was was there a Tony or was that just Mhm. Yes, mm-hmm. you need to watch that movie. It's it's, it's really good. Yeah. And I've seen Doctor Sleep and I don't remember Tony in Doctor Sleep. I think I slept. Well, you don't actually see him. That's and the is the um, like is the black is the black man in Doctor Sleep is supposed to be Scatman Crothers, right? Oh yeah, the same character. Mm-hmm. Well, the character, well, yeah. Obviously, I mean Scatman <laughs> passed away, but it can't be. I mean, if we he can't did just show be up, other people. I will well, say, well, nowadays they could just George Lucas would have made a digital, digital Scatman. I will say, when he got killed, I was you know, or the the. That was the part I was just like, oh, you didn't have to do that. You could have just, I liked his Very character upset. so much. Yeah. I was like, 
Ah, he didn't have to do and he anything. Did, he, but we that. went all that way, and he didn't even have a chance to fight. You didn't right, even yeah. get a final, you know, battle. Mm. And it was very graphic. It, that that close up of the axe going into Scatman, and it was mm. just oh, like yeah. it was very upsetting because he's the one person who knows what's going on with uh, with Danny. And, but why didn't he call to know. Danny with the Shining? That was something that that was a question I had. Was like it, when he got in there, why didn't he immediately use his power to call to Danny and find? I don't know if it up? works like a, a telephone. I don't know if it's well, like that's how he got his go, there. Hey, Danny, what's going on in there? But he asked him how if he like ice cream, cream <laughs> like that. That's right. <laughs> they don't have to move their lips either. Yeah. How'd you know he called him Doc? You must have said it. Mm-hmm. That was a clever, God, I wish I could clever just, step out of that, Wendy. Yeah, I wish I could just explain things I didn't want to deal with that way. <laughs> oh, I must have heard you. I must have heard you say it. No, just try it next no, time. <laughs> See if you it totally works. Looked, you totally read my emails. No, no, you must have just made you did. <laughs> Sorry, is that too, too true to life? And, and the, the continuity <laughs> well, issue with Jack, too, in the snow was a little bit off, too. So that was the only thing. I didn't like that part of it. But, you know, he say sits, that again? The what with Jack in the snow? The, the continuity. So he basically, you know, when he's oh, out right. there, he's kind of facing... <laughs> He's leaning up against the um, the edging of the of the um, maze, and then we see him in the middle of it, kind of like away from it, you know. And that that was the only thing because I was like, at that point, I don't want to be taken out of the story. I want to stay in it. That's the only thing that bothered me. I was like, I didn't like that. You know what was messed up in that maze scene is this is the first time I've watched it with subtitles, and when Jack Nicholson's making all those. No, those are words. Mm-hmm. He's, he's saying, saying Wendy. Part of it, he's saying Wendy. He started saying San, uh, uh, San Francisco, here I come at one point. And I went, what, what? the fuck? Right back where I started from. Because all it sounds like is. <laughs> and it was fucking me up watching these subtitles. And I'm like, he did not just sink. But I guess he did right back where he started from. He's lost in the maze. But I never, ever, ever would have gotten that out of what came out of his mouth. No. <laughs> he sounded like uh, in uh, Young Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Another film that we should cover in our future episode somewhere down the road. Young Frankenstein. Yeah. Yeah. Because I actually have that one. Hmm. I wouldn't have to rent it. Be nice. Well, cool. Anything else you guys want to close up with on this? And you guys are. uh, See Dr. Sleep. That's the next thing we recommend. Checking it yes. out. Highly See recommend it. I think yeah. it's still on watch HBO the director's, Max. Watch the director's version. I think it's better. Yeah, the director's cut. is really nice. And I think that's also on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Tonight's sponsor, by the way, is not HBO Max. Because <laughs> no. they give but us nothing. But we'd accept that if they offered. We would accept that we would. HBO we would. Max. Um, so let's talk about our next film that we're doing. I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it is Laura's pick. My turn, my turn. And it's our actual, uh, we don't have to vote on this. She gets to choose anything. So hold your seats, everyone. We house know this two. Be really Here it comes. Your hats, everybody. <laughs> yeah. house, house two, the second story. No, oh, I'm just kidding. I, I won't do that to you. <laughs> Thank oh, God. Oh, no, I am tempted to do that. 
Um, it's <sighs> Final Girls. That is a 2017 movie, I think, and it's think super right. fun. Yeah. It mm-hmm. is an homage to the slasher. Nice. All right. Well, that's that'll be stuff. fun. So Final Girls will be up next on the plate. And, 2015. And We're doing a lot of horror. Nobody likes drama anymore, do they? <sighs> we got to mix it up like a little, which is anyway, good. No. So we, it's good to add a it's little. It's Black History there. Month, you know. We could have done like, I don't know, Malcolm X or something. Yeah. You could have picked that one, Patrick, on your last yeah, one. Yeah, Patrick. My last yeah, pick was yeah, like yeah. a month ago. Oh, December right. is you not Black History again. Month. I took The Shining. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, well, what what other films have you guys been watching? Anything else? Um, Malcolm X. Malcolm X. I did just watch so, it for the first so, time. It was so good. good. Yeah, that was good. Really good. Uh, yeah. I watched a movie called Let Him Go. Did I talk about that already? No. No, you're just t- starting to talk about him right now. So, Kevin Kevin Costner and uh, Mrs. Kent, Diane Ladd Lane, Diane Lane. Mrs. Kent. I didn't know Kent she was, was married uh, to Diane Ladd. <laughs> Well, no, the funny thing is they played Ma and Pa Kent in the Zack Snyder Superman uh, business. Oh. And I didn't realize they were playing husband and wife again and let it go until our, our podcast friend, Chris Baker, pointed out. I'm like, shut the fuck up, Chris. And uh, no, but I didn't realize it until he said it. And I was like, oh, yeah. But it's got Boo Boo Stewart, my favorite indigenous actor in it also. And it's really, it's kind of fucked up. It's a fucked up movie. It's I, I don't know how to describe it. It's a... Drama vengeance film type of uh, it's a lot going on. Check it out when it becomes widely available. Awesome. Where where is it now? Is it like a rental now? You could rent it. Yeah, I bought it for a gift card because I knew I wanted to see it, mm-hmm. and I want to support these smaller movies like uh, like Wonder Woman 1984. I did not want to give any money, and I didn't. I watch it on HBO Max. Uh, <laughs> And I still, I still feel ripped off. And uh, oh no! Uh, but so, uh, oh. And then, <laughs> what happened? My microphone fell off the pad. It was on. Uh, but uh, I want. I try to support the indie films and the smaller movies that don't get a lot of play, and at least give them something financially. Do you mean like Psycho Goreman? Yeah, which exactly. I watched, and it was super fun. It's cute. It's uh, I hated the little girl in it. I'm just going to yeah, come well, out and say Yeah, well, she's it. designed to be hated. Yeah. E, well, mission accomplished. <laughs> I wanted Psycho Goreman to gore her up. He had great lines. Mimi. Uh, Psycho Goreman himself. Wonderful. He's wonderful. Yeah. And Minari, uh, for those people who follow the Charlotte Film Society, Minari is available in their screening room this starting Friday. Tell us about that. What is that? Don't you remember when uh, Thomas was on and he was talking about Minari's the best film he's seen in ages? It's uh, the uh, Glenn from uh, uh, the zombie show, The Walking Dead, is in it. It looks like it's basically a true story about an American story of an immigrant family making it in in America, Mm -hmm. as it were. I want to tell you, I want you to look it up and I want you to watch it. It's okay. It's not Psycho Gorman. I watched uh, probably the most recent movie I've seen was um, The Little Things on HBO. I think it was on HBO Max. Yeah, yes. Jared Leto. yeah, it is. Yeah, yep. um, it is. Rami Malek, yep. Denzel Washington. Did have you guys seen it? Yep. I have. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I I liked it. I enjoyed it. I, it gave me. It threw off like the first like three quarters of it gave me like a Zodiac vibe and Zodiac's one of yes. my favorite movies. 
Mm-hmm. Um, really? And then it doesn't... It doesn't Venture's finest. Spoiler alert. I'm not going to actually give a spoiler, but I'm going to say spoiler alert just in case anyone hasn't watched it. Um, <laughs> the last quarter of the movie wasn't very good for me. I just didn't finish... It didn't finish well, in I, my opinion. I agree. I thought it was heading for like a real build, big build-up, and then yeah. the end sort of just sort of... Uh, we squeaked it out. out. We, yeah. yeah. I didn't I think mean, it was a good movie, but I thought it was good performances. Performances uh, were great in it. Mm-hmm. Something different from Rami. Than I thought he, he was great. Plays. Mm-hmm. I th- so did I. I thought he was actually really good in it. I mean, I love him in Bohemian Rhapsody, too. And I finally saw Night at the Museum. So I got to see some of his early oh, work. Oh, that's so fun. It was good. It's fun. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Free. It's free. Yeah, that's the last thing I watched. Squeaker, what, what, what you been watching? I haven't watched any movies in a while. Um, <laughs> movies or TV or TV? Porn, yeah, but no, I mean, I've just been kind of like doing other things. But yeah, I watched, I went through and rewatched The Wire recently. Mm. Um, I hear that's a really good show. It's so good. It's good. Yeah. I like um, some seasons I'm, I'm, you know, higher on than others. and But I think the acting is great in that as well. Like good performances all around. That's about it's got my guy from uh, from uh, J.K. Simmons, right? From uh, Whiplash. Yeah. Yes. Or is that wait, is that no, the no, Wire? No, 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 I confuse those two shows, yeah. and one's a little bit more rapey than the other one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's Oz that's rapey. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Super yeah. rapey. I've, I've, I've never seen either of them. So I haven't you know. seen Oz. Uh, <clears throat> it's prison. You can relate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I watched one that I think Laura's going to like, and it's on Netflix right now. It's called The Babysitter, and it's kind of a comedy Ooh, it's horror. On my list. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's uh, it's it's fun. And I liked it. I thought it was really well done, and and you know, just going for a fun evening to watch. It's very entertaining and has a couple of twists to it. That's kind of nice, and it's just simple. What's and then it? I, it's called the the Babysitter. Um, and, okay. uh, and it's got kind of like a ritual satanic kind of a theme to it. Right okay, now. thank mm-hmm. you. Because I was like, that sounds like it should be a horror movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. It is. And it's it's got a nice little twist in there that you just don't see. And, and I don't want to give away too, too much because it just came out on Netflix. And but Is there uh, a sequel to it? This is going to sound weird, but it sounds no, like it something just came I watched. Out. Yeah, it's not been out. I think Maybe I watched The Babysitter. A couple of years or so. Huh. There might be another babysitter that's like. From There's a the babysitter 90s from the nineties, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, There's I saw sequel, one from. By the, way. the babysitter there is a sequel. killer queen. <laughs> that's the one I saw. I saw this. I there saw is the a sequel. sequel to it. <laughs> killer yes. queen. I mean, it, it appears. So fie on you, Kent. Smith. Does it have the same people in it? <laughs> um, it does. Yeah. Really cool. Oh, have to is check it on that Netflix? Because I haven't seen that. And what's it? Tell us the name again. The Babysitter Killer Queen. So the funny thing is, I watched that not knowing it was a sequel. Then during the movie, they kept referring to a movie before that, or referring to what happened before. And I went, now, are they just doing that? Or is this really a sequel? Hmm. And now I know it's really a sequel. Hmm. It was cute, stupid, fun, (laughs) silly stuff. I want to see Freaky. Freaky? I want to see that too. Freaky Freaky. is on my list. Yeah. I watched he's on another, my list. I watched another one. I watched Youth, uh, which is a Paulio Sorrento movie, um, which I highly recommend. It's fun. It's different. It's two old guys um, with Michael Caine in it, and just the, they're I like Michael Caine. Yeah, and it's just it's Paulio. I don't know if you're familiar with Paulio Sorrento. He did The Pope, and 
Um, American. What's Beauty. the name of the movie? Yeah. Um, it's called Youth. Youth. Uh, Youth. Uh-huh. And it's, Youth. Just, it's two Youth. guys. It's two guys basically end up at this kind of like. Um, I don't say it's a home. It's like a vacation retreat area, and it's uh-huh. just. Paulio Sorrento has this real Italian style cinematography and and flair to his things that just kind of are different and very. Um, he has this very unique style, and uh, if you like his work, you'll you'll thoroughly thoroughly enjoy it. And it's it's one of those that I've I've gone back to and I, and watched this is the second time I've watched it, and I've just been like, wow, it's just he's hmm. definitely very unique storytelling uh, techniques to it. So. Anything else you guys seen lately that's jumps? Yeah, out I went. At you? To, I've been Stephen King kicking it, so I just watched The Stand from 1994, the TV movie with Rob Lowe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, really, fu- I really enjoyed that. It's one of the first things I saw Gary Sinise in. And uh, is it a movie uh, or is it a miniseries? It's a miniseries. It was maybe four nights, okay. hour and a half episodes uh, without the commercials, and. Uh, it's fun, and, and I haven't seen the new one, and I've hear I hear very mixed things on the new I one. But I still am about see halfway it. through it, and I didn't. I, I stopped, and I don't know that I'm going to go back. <gasps> now I must see this, especially if it's horrible. Well, uh, and I also watched. See, yeah, it had like these super religious overtones that came through Uh-oh. in the middle of it, and I was like, "This is not right." I don't. I well, I, I mean, that's in I the. That's in Is the '94 movie with Mother uh, Mother Abigail. Yeah, okay. She thinks yeah. that God talks to her and is. Pretty much well, guiding everything that happens. Specifically, like Catholicy stuff. I don't know. I just just bogged okay. me down, and I didn't. I was like, meh, whatever. I want to check it out for the guy who's playing Nick Andros in it. Uh, I can't remember the actor's name. Uh, uh, Is he uh, the actor. guy that? Um, it's kind of like the an sign language guy, stuff. the deaf yeah. guy. Yeah. Okay. Yep. He's great. He's really, okay. really good. Yeah. Okay. That's who Rob Lowe played. Uh, I watched Needful Things, another Stephen King movie. Lots of fun. Nice. Good times. Nice. Max von Sydow. Ed Neal. Ed O'Neill. Ed O'Neill. Ed O'Neill. Ed. Really? Ed Harris. Ed Harris. Ed, thank you. And I was like, no, Al Bundy did not. I get. I get white people movie. confused no. all the time. Yeah. I can't yeah. tell. Well, they all look alike. Yeah, they do. Oh, I want to say that um, I watched in between episodes of Letterkenny and uh, the New Detectives, which is kind of like the end of each spectrum. Um, I watched The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde with Jack Palance, 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 whatever. Um, Jack Palance. Highly recommend. It's free on Tubi if anyone has two hours that they want to just fill with some magic Jack Palance. It is great. <laughs> nice, nice. All right. Awesome. Well, uh, this has been a fun podcast, and uh, we want to thank um, Tony, Stash. Tony Stash for being here, helping us out like stash. that, man. That sweet stash he's got over there. I know it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and uh, we want to thank all the listeners, too. So, uh, oh, yeah, it's our pleasure to have you anytime. Um, and and we'll thank all the listeners for listening and for going out and Keep downloading those uh, each one of our new podcasts that come out, and go back and check out some of our older ones too, because we've got quite a few films that we can't even remember the names of half of them. Whiplash, so, yeah, obviously, you know, Time Bandits. Sorry yeah, about that. Yeah, Time <laughs> Bandits, and, and of course, Oops. you know, Sing Street, Terry Gilliam. If you're listening, I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
Hopefully he is. Yeah, he Somewhere. Is. He yeah. Told me. So uh, anyway, well, thank you everybody for being here. And uh, once again, we'll uh, we'll be back with the next one. And next course, that is going to be lovely Laura's pick. Final uh, girls. Final, final girls. girls. They're the final ones. Yeah. So that we all get something new to watch because I haven't seen that one. So I'm, I'm kind of interested. I've actually watched this one and don't remember it. Great. Oh, good. Right. It'll be new Perfect. to you then. Excellent. It will. All right. Well, enjoy your uh, lovely weekend and days and coming up. And uh, thanks again. And make sure you tell all your friends about us and, and rate, rate review, review. Subscribe. What else? Review. Subscribe. All of those Download. things. Download. All kind to each other. Yeah. yeah. Wash your hands. Yeah. Wear a mask. Wear a mask. That's right. Yeah. Wear that. two masks. I wear two Stay masks. Stay away from people. Mm-hmm. Stay away from people. Especially definitely. Patrick. Yeah, and so, really. uh, stay away from me. <laughs> unless you want to hang out with grumpy old men. And um, other than that, I guess this is, uh, it's been a fun time. Thanks again. <laughs> Have a good one. We love you. Bye. Here's Johnny. Like having a drink and talking films? Yup. The Adult Beverage Film Podcast is your go-to podcast. Hey, stop. Join the conversation and listen to film industry producers, actors, directors, writers share all of their experiences in the film industry. Expand your mind into films you've already seen. Say hello to my friend. Plus, find new films to watch in the future. Visit adultbeverage.net or go to your favorite podcast platform and listen to Adult Beverage Film Podcast episodes today.